Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! here with you on a Thursday morning. We are always thankful for that you have joined us, be it at supertalk.fm or wherever you're getting your podcast from. Thanks for making us a part of your morning, your afternoon, your day, your evening. You know, hey, you turn the lights off, light a couple of candles, want to get the wife in the mood. The, the dulcet tones of Haydad and Coleman will probably not do that. But I'm just saying. I nearly broke out in song with Let's Get It On. No, no, I, don't I, do I, that. I stopped, right? I'm right. glad, I'm I, glad. I, I, I didn't want to. I don't mind when you sing normally, but I don't want you to sing Marvin Gaye. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's the right move for you. You want to sing Amarillo by morning? I'm down, but uh, let's leave the Marvin Gaye to the experts. The oh, Luther Vandross, man. the Teddy P. Don't, don't do any of that stuff. Mm. All right, that's we got so you and I, we're, we're multi-talented, but we are not aphrodisiacs, or whatever the word is. That is correct. correct. Yes. Yes. So yeah, if yeah. you're depending upon us for your, we your are, evening activities. We are, not, we are not in the romance business yeah. Yeah. at all. You might want to turn elsewhere. Yeah, but you know, we appreciate you listening if you're, if you're trying that. And let us know how it goes. Uh, thanks to all our listeners out there, especially our servicemen and women. Across, you okay over there? Across this, I just, I, of all great, the places you were going to go today, I had no idea we were going there. We went to the romance department. Uh, we want to thank our service men and women for listening to us and for protecting us. Uh, as we're not, you know, as we're not, where are we doing here? It's, we're losing it already. I'm losing my grip on this show. Early, early going. I want to thank our sponsor. I've Strange, already written like five stories today. My brain shot. Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. That is uh, our sponsor. We appreciate them. We might need. I might need a little coffee. I might need to jar the brain cells or something. You definitely need to go get you your your afternoon fix. It's coming. I, I should have did it. I should have did it. Should have did it. Should have done it. it. Yeah. Should have did it. Should have done it. He's gone should've country. Uh, Look at them boots. Coffee should have already been. It should have been part of the day already. Yeah. Me. I got it you. Has not been. Uh, so today's show, uh, we were going to talk to uh, Andrew Briner uh, prior to uh, our. Post pre practice, uh, first time since the scrimmage, first time to talk to him. He is the quarterback quarterbacks coach, coach at Mississippi State. Wanted University. to get a lot of details on him on how this quarterback battle is going. Wanted to find out maybe a little information if you saw on Twitter yesterday that Keaton Thompson was wearing the red jersey. What's up with him? Maybe even get a little bit into the uh, the, the thought of you know the progress of Garrett Schrader, who I think has made some strides from spring to fall. We wanted to do all that, but <laughs> none of it happened because, as you've seen by now, Mississippi State uh, uh, had a, a day off and an enjoyable day for the team, no doubt. So we didn't get to do that. So it's going to be a little short podcast today because I had planned everything around learning from Briner and being able to go deeper into the quarterback talk. Uh, as it is, the only thing of interest was, like I mentioned, KT being out of, uh, I guess that was Tuesday's practice uh, in the red jersey. So Garrett Schrader running second. T- it, I think it's interesting to note, I guess I should say, that Garrett Schrader is running second team behind when, KT, when KT's out. He's the, he is the third-string quarterback. Maiden is behind him at this point. And, and, you know, quite frankly, we've heard more praise. Maybe it's our line of questioning. Maybe it's just, you know, the questions that I've I've heard asked and have asked myself and things. But it seems like we've heard a lot more praise for Schrader yeah. over the course of fall camp so far. I hate calling it fall camp. It's 100 degrees outside. It's yeah. not fall camp. But uh seems like we've heard more praise for Schrader to this point, too. Um and he's looked good, you know. When, when we've got to see him, his his throws look crisp. Um, I I know you and I discussed early on in the practices we got to watch that Schrader's to us, and we're not saying it's wrong. It's just 
is what it is, but his throwing motion looked a little bit weird to us. But then again, we're podcasters. We're not football players. So right. that's not to say that it wasn't effective or that wasn't the way you need to be doing things. It just um, seemed a little bit weird to us. But by all accounts, he's doing outstanding. I mean, Moorhead kind of unprompted praise Schrader the other day. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's kind of – when you look down this list of quarterbacks that's on this roster, I mean, there are two Moorhead guys. Yeah. And it's Tommy Stevens and it's Garrett Schrader. Yeah. And so it should come as no surprise that a guy that Moorhead recruited to run his offense seems to be picking up his offense. Yeah, I guess you're right. Good point. That's really all we have for that. So we're just going to do our opponent preview here today, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a day. We'll talk to Tim Fitzgerald in just a minute. He's I, a, I do. Before oh, we go there. Oh, you got something. Okay. Well, I mean, just while we're on this topic, I guess it depends on how long he's out, whatever. Keaton in the red jersey. Does that make him the – I mean, he was already, I think, the underdog to win this job. It, it can't help. I'll put it that way. It can't help. Right? I mean, if you were even and then you got hurt and now you can't throw as much, I mean, how can it help? Yeah. And quite frankly, I don't think he threw at all yesterday that I saw. He, he, he participated the, 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 in the handoff. The one drill I, we saw him do, drill. he was just doing handoffs. Yeah. And then he went to the injury pit. How did he get hurt? He's in a non-contact jersey. Well, I mean, you say that. And, and look – don't know. We'll talk to Joe Moorhead on Saturday night um, post scrimmage, and I guess we'll learn more then. That scrimmage may be, you know, Tommy Stevens versus Garrett Trader. Maybe the two. Might be, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, you think about it. I mean, a Major League Baseball, college baseball pitcher doesn't have contact, but he could hurt his shoulder throwing a baseball. Yeah. I mean, that's I, 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 well, that then if that's the case, that makes you because we don't know. I, I hate to speculate, but I mean, if, if it's is, an arm related throwing related injury. That's a big problem. Well, I don't know if you saw this, this and and kudos, I'll give credit where credit's due. You and I were standing on opposite ends of the Palmero Center from where the injured guys were kind of getting their blood flow and whatnot. I think Tyler Horka and company were the ones down there. And I want to say it was Horka that took video of this, but Keaton was on the exercise bike Mm -hmm. and literally was not using his right arm on the exercise bike. There you go. So I I, I don't know... What the injury is, I don't want to speculate, whatever, but we'll it does seem to be an, an an arm, shoulder, some kind of something that affects his throwing because, he was, as we said, he was handing the ball off just fine, Yeah, which I didn't take much. All right. Well, we'll get in. Listen, we'll talk more about that after we talk to Joe Moorhead on Saturday, so we'll hear about that on Sunday or your Monday uh, Thunder and Lightning. Today's about an opponent preview and Kansas State, which, as you're listening to this podcast, and I brought this up in the interview, and I'll, I'll bring it up now, though, because it, it, one month from today as you're listening, this game will be played. So 30 days from now, we'll be into week three of the season. That's, that is we'll be a quarter diff- of the way through the year. Yeah, that's that's difficult to get your head around sometimes. Um, this After this game, I was pretty convinced the Joe Moorhead era was going to go just fine for Mississippi State. A dominant from one of their best performances on the road against a Power Five team in recent memory, and I it mean, didn't hurt the fact that uh, your boy Callen Hill rushed for about six hundred and forty-eight yards in this game. Give or take, give or take a couple. Uh, yeah, this was. I mean, I left this game thinking, okay, this team is going to be really good, and Kylan Hill is going to be an All SEC running back, and all they got to do is give him the ball. You know, obviously there were some concerns about Fitzgerald in the passing game. Uh, because he didn't have a great passing game. But I think you were willing to write some of that off as, you know, for whatever reason. It was his first start. His first start under Moorhead, right? But it ended up being a, a sign, a, a telltale sign of things to come. And say, and Kylan Hill never had a game like this the rest of the year. You know, his second best game was against Auburn, and then after that, you know, he picked one. Well, and part of that was Kylan got dinged up. He got dinged know? up a little bit here and there, but they dominated this game. 
dominated on both sides of the ball, especially on the line of scrimmage. Now, you know, State looks different on the defensive line, obviously, this year. The last year's defensive line is just different. Uh, but I can't help but think just based on – just again, I'm not one of those guys that puts all everything into recruiting and everything into stars and all that, but when you look at how these two teams have recruited, just – Looking at the rosters, you got to think this is going to be another opportunity for MSU to be dominant on both sides of the ball on the line of scrimmage again. It certainly appears that way. And then you, you couple that with the fact that it'll be played right here in the friendly confines of Davis Wade Stadium. Mm-hmm. And you you really feel good about this game. I mean, you, you feel good about, too, that whoever's your starting quarterback, if it's Tommy, if it's Keaton, I mean, this will be, what, game three for them. Uh, at this point, they will be settled in. Um, everything about this game right now, 30 days out, points in the favor of Mississippi State. I, I don't know how, I don't know if there's any component at all of this game that you look at and you think K State's going to have the advantage here. I, I, I will freely raise my hand and admit that I have not studied Kansas State just a ton. You know, I, you. You folks out there in listener land may have your Phil Steele magazines and things and can tell me more about Kansas State than I know already. So, you know, kudos to you if, if, if you've dug that far into to State's non-con schedule. But just from the limited bit that I know, there, there isn't anything much that, that at this juncture makes me think State's going to do anything other than have a pretty comfortable victory over K-State. Yeah, I would agree with that probably as well. Uh, before we, uh, you and I go too much further, let's go ahead and get this interview in. This is with uh, Tim Fitzgerald, who uh, is the uh, publisher of uh, Kansas State's 24-7 site, which is GoPowerCat.com, uh, another 24-7 site where the name makes sense. Let's go to that interview right now with Tim as he gets us. And we also, just, just as a heads up, not just about this game, but I did ask, of course, about K-State grad transfer Isaiah Zuber. Uh, let's get all of that interview right now with Tim Fitzgerald. We are running out of opponents to preview here as we go down the list on Thunder and Lightning opponent previews. Kansas State is the topic today. Tim Fitzgerald, who is the publisher of Go Power Cat, the KSU 24-7 site, uh, has been kind enough to join me. Before we even get into Kansas State, though, I need to ask you about somebody from Kansas State who is now in Starkville. Isaiah Zuber, grad transfer, heads to Starkville to, to play out his final year of eligibility. Leading receiver for the Wildcats a season ago. Great special teams player. What is Mississippi State getting with him? Well, first of all, great kid. He's, he's a really nice kid, very nice to talk to. Um, I just kind of ran into some issues here and decided to grad transfer, and you're getting a good player. Uh, by SEC standards, is he a great player? Because, you know, he's he's not a big, strong receiver. He's more of a slot guy that K-State used outside because he was he's got some good speed. If used correctly, he will make plays. Uh, in Starkville. He really will, and I think fans will like him, and it'll be interesting to see if he's a, a complimentary piece down there, as opposed to being a feature piece, possibly at K-State, uh, because uh, I think he can, if defenses aren't focused particularly on him, I think he can do a lot of damage. We'll see what he brings to, to the MSU offense, who are desperately in need of some receivers to step up. New offense at Kansas State, new head coach. Obviously, the Bill Snyder era uh, finally comes to an end there. Chris Kleiman, I believe is his name, uh, the new head coach from North Dakota State. Just looking at what he did on offense there, it seems like this shouldn't be a very big transition. Love to run the ball, power running. Very To me, sort of similar to what Bill Snyder liked to do. Is this new offense, does it seem like it's a good fit there at Kansas State this year? 
a, a great fit. You know, sometimes you'll hire a new coach and he runs into a problem that the personnel he inherits doesn't fit the system he wants to run. We know all about that. Well, that's not, man. I promise. <laughs> that's not the case here. He, you know, he really does kind of uh, inherit a really good offensive line, a big physical run-based offensive line. You know, I look at Texas Tech. They they've gone from the Cliff Kingsbury spread whatever that is he runs, uh, and to more traditional offense that will have a lot of passing, but he's asking an offensive lineman now to, to run block, and he's added tight ends that they didn't even have. And, you know, that's, that's a drastic change of culture. Kleiman doesn't run into that in Manhattan. He runs into a culture of, of tough football players. These guys were asked to be tough under Bill Snyder. They were asked to probably uh, succeed over their athletic abilities. Uh, and as time wore on, you saw when it was an athletic mismatch, like with Mississippi State last year, they got into trouble. But in most games, they were able to hang around and, you know, be a 5-7 and seven to 7-5 seven and five program the last few years of Snyder's tenure. So, you know, he's going to – it's actually more of a pro offense than even what Bill Snyder ran. Bill Snyder ran a lot of quarterback run game. There'll be less of that. There'll be more throwing to the running backs, to the tight ends. Uh, spreading the ball around two back sets uh, under center, which Bill Snyder totally got away from, which I I can't figure out why because his offense works so well with uh, a quarterback under center and bringing the play action fake into everything. All of that will be part of Kleiman's offense. Uh, it was highly successful at the level at which he played. Uh, of course, he had the better players typically at that level. Uh, however, I go back to 2013 with Kansas State. They're coming off a Big 12 title. Granted, they had a new quarterback in Jake Waters to open the season in 2013 and some new parts, as you do every year, but that was still a pretty good football team. North Dakota State came into Kansas State uh, and won, and out Bill Snyder, Bill Snyder. They managed the clock better. They ran the ball better. They took away the opposing running game better, and at the end of the game, they were the less tired team and went the length of the field and scored a winning touchdown with less than 10 seconds to go it was the most snyder-esque form of football i had seen at bill snyder family stadium uh since his first retirement and it wasn't even by kansas state so yeah chris Kleiman's system fits well in manhattan you sort of hit on it in your answer there but if you go back and watch this game a season ago the offensive and defensive line this is where the game was won mississippi state was just basically able to manhandle Kansas State on both sides of the line. Now, State's lost some key pieces on that defensive line, but the offensive line is still pretty good at MSU, and I think the D-line will be okay. Is Kansas State improved enough up front to to make this game more competitive along the line of scrimmage? Well, you know, Kansas State's offensive line was pretty good last year, um, but it really got exposed by what turned out to be basically an NFL defensive yeah. line with Mississippi State. Yeah. That was incredible. Uh, that was by far the best defensive line uh, K-State's seen in a lot of seasons. Um, so the offensive line, I think, will be okay. I mean, I think in, in a more, uh, you know, it's kind of like they showed up to a gunfight with a knife, and this will be more of a knife fight. I think it'll, it'll be a little more evened out this season. Defensively, Wyatt Hubert, who uh, was a freshman last year, and made some plays as uh, grown into Thor. He he's a totally different human being. He's got long flowing hair, and he is destroying everything in practice. Uh, so that's off of one of the defensive end spots, and that will greatly help Reggie Walker, who was you know supposed to be the featured defensive end uh, that was going to replace Jordan Willis, who's with the Bengals now. 
and that never really happened. Uh, so to have another, you know, maybe a star defensive end opposite of Reggie Walker will help him get back to where he was. Defensive tackles, K-State strong but not elite. Uh, you know, they've got they got some good pieces, um, but they they just don't have uh, enough. It's just raw strength in there. And, and you know what? That's kind of a function of the Big 12 in some ways. You, you just uh, it's hard to find defensive tackles that want to come into the system and and constantly be trying to rush quarterbacks to throw the ball in three seconds. Uh, so it's uh, they're going to really – they've got a lot of seniors there, but how good, we're going to find out probably in Starkville. What about the rest of this defense? Obviously another a new face there, Scotty Hazleton, the new defensive coordinator at Kansas State. What kind of system does he bring, and, and what can he do defensively? Well, he's going to be a little more aggressive. That sounds great, but when you're underskilled on the back end of the defense, which K-State has been for the past few seasons – uh, particularly in the Big 12, uh, being aggressive means you expose yourself and you really get shredded. So he was very conservative. It was In the past, K-State was the bend-but-don't-break defense uh, to the nth degree. I mean, it was just so painful to watch, uh, and yet they were in a lot of games because they didn't break. Now, they broke against the Bulldogs. They broke against really good opponents last year. They weren't as good on defense. They've got some glaring holes on the on the back end of that defense. Uh, they have to find a nickelback. Uh, this nickelback is less of a hybrid corner safety and more of a hybrid safety linebacker. So they don't really have a guy in system that kind of fits that. Uh, they need to develop another corner. They're pretty good at safety. They're okay at safety. If they get into depth, that'll be an issue. And that's really the biggest issue that, that Chris Kleiman inherited from Bill Snyder. The erosion of recruiting shows up in the depth as they just didn't recruit enough good players. There's some good players, but uh, as the season wore on, they were out of uh, enough good players to be a really good football program. That's something they're trying to rebuild, but it certainly doesn't happen overnight. And that, that is very apparent on the back end of that defense. They, they lost their feature linebacker in spring football to a knee injury. He's out for the season. Uh, and while they have two guys now at you know the linebacker spots with starting experience, uh, they just don't have enough players at the linebacker spot. They're just out of talent there. You mentioned you know, the, the 2013 game, North Dakota State and Kansas State. Kleeman brings his team to Manhattan and wins in an upset. Can that happen here? What's the, what's the, the prognosis for an upset uh, if for Kansas State to come to Mississippi State and win? Yeah, you know, it's in, what's interesting about that game is uh, Chris Kleiman was the defensive coordinator on that team, and Craig Bull was the head coach, former Nebraska defense coordinator, okay. who now is at Wyoming. Uh, and a big reason he's at Wyoming is he went to Kansas State and won and, and won a national championship that season, gets the Wyoming job, and so Chris Kleiman gets a North Dakota State job, and they win uh, FCS national championships four out of his five seasons. Just, I mean, it's the it's the Alabama. Of, of FCS. Uh, so, oddly, without beating Kansas State, there's a good chance Craig Bull doesn't move on and Chris Kleiman isn't hired and is in, isn't in a position to replace Bill Snyder at Kansas State. Uh, it's a very uh, odd situation, and uh, I can't remember the question. That was such a good antidote, I just completely <laughs> forgot the question. What, what's the recipe for, for Kansas State to come to Mississippi yeah. State and win? She's on the other foot now. Chris Kleiman has gone into... He was undefeated against FBS programs, Minnesota, Kansas, Iowa State. He'd, he'd just roll in there and win games. Uh, how's it going to feel now of being the underdog, uh, you know, going into, you know, Starkville? But 
starting the season with Nickel State. Now Nickel State, they've been slaying uh, FBS programs. Can they come into Manhattan? So now Chris Kleiman's kind of in a different position. He's not the big bad bully at his level. He's not the proven person who can or team that can go in and upset uh, bigger programs. He's got a lot to prove. There's a lot riding. Uh, there's a lot to gain in Starkville for Chris Kleiman. And short of being completely humiliated, blown out, and beaten up with you know lingering injuries, there's mostly everything to gain because we saw what happened last year in Manhattan. So that's kind of you know if you're a, the fan base, that's your baseline. You know that's what happened to you at home. What's going to happen to you in Starkville? Uh, so he's got an opportunity there. You know just by playing a good game, which really last year wasn't a very competitive game will look like progress for the fan base. We'll see what happens. One month from uh, from today, as you're listening to the podcast, uh, that game will be going on in, in Starkville, Mississippi. So looking forward to that, That's Tim. crazy. Yeah. One that, month? One month from today will be week three of the season. That's amazing. I, 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 I'm not ready. For I, 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 I didn't not. even realize that either. I just looked at the date, and I was like, that game's on the 15th. So, yeah. Yeah, there we go. We'll see what happens That's uh, crazy. when it happens. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. You can follow him at Life of Fitz on Twitter if you want to keep up with the Wildcats some uh, this year, especially prior to uh, Mississippi State, uh, Kansas State, uh, on September the 15th. Thanks again for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, partner. I appreciate it very much. Thanks to Tim for the time. We appreciate him coming on. We'll probably talk to him again in a few weeks as we get closer to this game and you know see a little bit more about what these two teams are. Uh, he sort of hit on it, though, that you know this game, and I, and I, and I mentioned in the interview, this game was won for Mississippi State on the line of scrimmage. You know, if ever the the cliche that games are won in the trenches was to hold true, this was the game that it, that had happened. State was dominant running the football and would not allow Kansas State to do anything offensively. With State being probably, I mean, I feel it's not even an insult to say they're going to be a little worse on the defensive line than they were a season ago because I don't think they have two first round picks on top of all that depth. I feel good about State offensively in this game. Do you still feel as good defensively? Do you think they'll be able to manhandle this Kansas State offense though, where they were a season ago? I mean, I don't – until I see it, I don't feel good about State being as dominant defensively in any of the 12 games they play next year. I mean, that's just – again, kind of like you said, I don't think that's an insult to say that. I know these guys – Cam Dantzler said it at Media Day, too, that, you know, kudos to the guys that helped put that defense together last year, but they don't – I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he was saying that he doesn't feel like the defense has missed a beat. I mean, it's great to have that mentality, and I think State does have that mentality, and I think there's a lot of talent, and I think State will be good defensively. But if State loses three first-round draft picks, not to mention losing Gary Green, and not to mention losing the guys that uh, the Mark McLaurins and the Braxton Hoyettes and the other key contributors. Corey Thomas. Yeah, you, you can just roll them off. All the guys that were the foundation of that defense a year ago. If you can lose all that... And not skip a beat. I mean, somebody over there in in the seal, you know, in the seal building, Bob Shoop, somebody, you know, they they've got a direct line to the higher power. You know, they they've got God on the line. The higher and, power? No, the higher power was Vince McMahon. <laughs> but uh, it so, was me, Coleman. <laughs> it was me all along. Uh, I mean, I no. In answer to your question, I. I don't think State can be as dominant in this game as they were a year ago because I don't really think they can be as dominant as a whole as they were a year ago because I don't think that makes any sense that you could lose a Sweat, Simmons, Abram, and be as right. dominant. 
Now, could they still have a really strong performance in this game and several others? Absolutely. Right. I mean, the talent's all over the field. But, again, yeah. until I see it, I'm not going to believe that this defense is just as good as a year ago. I mean, I just – The only thing for me is this, that this defense in years past, and I think it still is, is built to stop teams that can just run the ball directly at them. And that's why, you know, LSU hasn't been as successful the past few years. Now, Alabama has had success – but that's because Alabama's talent is elite at all offensive positions. And they just have had they just had that. So when MSU's defense runs into a, a running football team that isn't better than them, that isn't more talented than them, that's usually a big plus for Mississippi State. Usually a big plus for Mississippi State. And I think that's what you have here. Unless Peter Sermon's your defensive coordinator. Whenever I make a statement about the defense, <laughs> I will, we have a new rule here on Thunder and Lightning. We don't have a lot of rules. We don't have a whole lot of hard and fast rules, but here's one. Whenever I make a statement about defenses, just take except Peter Sermon is your defensive coordinator, is just add it to everything I say. <laughs> so whenever I say, you know, this defense did this, this, and this, and then this is going to be the case, unless Peter Sermon is your defensive coordinator. just It's just assumed. That Auburn game, whenever they just – Ramshack that dude just oh. just sitting there just yard after yard after yard. The, the game, the two games with Sermon, obviously the Arkansas game stands out because they didn't punt. But that Auburn game that you mentioned, I remember one play. Who was their quarterback that year? What was his name? Do you remember Sean White? Yeah, there was one play where he dropped back to pass, and I in the press box had time to look downfield to see who was open. The answer was everybody. And look back to see him still with the ball in the pocket. And then he threw it. I had time to look. I had time to scan the... Not not him. Not him. I had time to scan the field, make a decision, and tell him he should throw over the middle. And that's where he went. I, I think we've decided... We, we have finally, you know, what, three years later, found out the sermon strategy. Leave everyone open and make the quarterback think, gosh, who do I throw it to? They're all open. And, and, and maybe... Your defensive line or somebody can get back there for a sack before he makes the decision of which open guy to throw it to. Maybe that was the strategy all along. It didn't work. It did not. Did not work. That Sanford game was pretty horrendous, too. That was that came up on Twitter today. I don't know if you, you saw I that. I did or, not. Yeah, because uh, I forget. It started with uh, my cousin was tweeting at somebody about the Arkansas game, and he said, I'm not even sure that they, that they faced a third down. He knew, he knew they didn't punt. And Brett Hudson, our good friend, I uh, decided to look it up, and he's like, wow, this defense. I'm glad I wasn't covering it. And so Steven said, look at the Samford game. And he was just like, you see Brett like 10 minutes later goes, oh, my God, they threw for 465 yards. My God, they ran 104 plays. And I was like, <laughs> I have never watched a game like that in my life where I was just like, the state's going to lose today to an FCS team. And it's not going to – normally when an FCS team beats you, it's like really low scoring. Not that day. Yeah. And – that game produced, I'd have to go back and look, but at the time it was probably my most liked and maybe one of my most retweeted tweets of all time. You know, after the game, the, the turf crew always like oh, blows, good, yeah. the, blows the field <laughs> off or whatever. I took a the picture. The ashes of the DBs. So they're blowing the ashes of the DBs off of Scott Field. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty well received that day. But Very good. Anyway, how we got from K-State to hey man, I'm going always down, down the, with that. Going down the Peter Sermon uh, horrendous nightmare trail, I don't know, but – um, but yeah, state state defensively, I feel like, as I was saying earlier, I'm not convinced they're anywhere in the same league as what they had a year ago. But, but as good. we've said a million times on the show, we're beating a dead horse here. But 
they could be a lot worse and still be like top 25 in the country with that defense. I mean, so I, I think that's a situation where State is. Are they going to be worse? Yes. And are they still going to be good? Yes. Um, so I, I think that them being good is plenty good enough to to probably hold down K-State and give you a chance to win this game. I mean, this is a game to me that I think might be a little closer than a year ago. Maybe it's just a couple of scores, mm-hmm. something like that. 14 points sounds about right. 14, 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 14 or 17 point difference, something like that. Yeah. I could see. Okay. That, that's what I feel looking at this game. All right. We got two more to do. Two more punter previews. USM and then ULL. So next week we'll talk to Luke Johnson from uh, from Sports Talk Mississippi. I like that. All right. Before we go, I just saw this was trending on Twitter. No, completely unsports related. The Oscar Mayer hot dog ice cream sandwich. No. It's real. Candied hot dog bits. I'm, I'm out already. In a hot dog, it's a half and half ice cream sandwich. Half hot dog sweet cream, half spicy Dijon gelato with a cookie bun. The only thing you've said so far mm. that sounded even remotely like something I would be interested in is, is the, the cookie the bun. The cookie bun, yeah. This is supposed to be a real thing. It, it, it appears to be a real thing. Unless, I mean, because it's not April Fool's Day. This is, this is more in the middle of August. A hot dog ice cream. First off, first off, let's get one thing very clear. And Joel, if you disagree with this, that may be the end of the podcast. A hot dog is not a sandwich. No. Okay. No. No. So a hot dog ice cream sandwich, I don't I don't see where the the bun the bun touch like you the have bun to... touches. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's Correct. not a sandwich. That's not a sandwich. Before you say anything about a po boy, a po boy is a po boy. It's a it's a po boy. I don't call it a po boy sandwich. It's a po boy. Uh, oh, this is this is a real thing. This, this is horrific. Is this like just released? Where do you get this? It's I don't. Um, you can go to their website, and you have a chance to win a box of them. Uh, so you keep this in your freezer? I'm yeah. Assuming? Well, it's an ice cream sandwich. Yeah. Well, yeah, but this this what? But we're already in uncharted territory here with a hot dog ice cream sandwich. So I'm just there, sure there's a picture of one, a real one. There it is. They exist. Does it look like something you would try? No. Okay. No. I mean, it, it, I don't. I can't see the picture. You're looking at it. It's on the I mean, other side of the like, table. It looks like it looks like well, it looks like the picture that the, normally the company puts out. It looks sort of similar. But I mean, I'm just I, first. I don't like mustard. I don't like hot dogs. What is it? Does it look like a? It looks like an ice cream sandwich. Okay. So you can't. Or it, like if I just handed it to you and said, "Hey, you want an ice cream sandwich?" and and I and I said it's half vanilla, half banana, you would you would not you just bite into it not knowing. So it's yellow. The the mustard half is. And the other half is white, with the candied hot dog bits. Oh my gosh! Can you see the candied hot dog Every, bits? Are they like pink, yeah, pink yeah, the, little dots the, 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 in the, it or the, something? Like little chocolate chips. Every day, Joel. Every day we stray further from God's light. All right. Come, 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 Lord Jesus, the day is evil. Speaking of God's light, he's countered this. Have you seen this? What, what, is, what has God done in the ice cream department now? Well, nothing in the ice cream department, but in the fast food industry department, yeah. mac and cheese is now available at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I, Did you see that? Well, see, I, I don't know if I'm ever going back to Chick-fil-A, though, because I've tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich now, <laughs> and it is a far superior chicken sandwich delivery vehicle. Uh, it is far better. But they have mac and cheese at 
Never mind, they got mashed potatoes and gravy or dirty rice. Yeah. Much better sides available at Popeye's. Popeye's, once again, the greatest fast food restaurant available. I will take, don't at me. Popeye's is the king. God, this thing is nasty. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it up here so you can see it, but ugh, that is really gross. That's how we're going to end the show today. The only thing worse than that, I heard you and Richard and, and the guys talking about this on the show that called oh, the, days ago. the weird things that people eat. Yeah, well, yes. And uh, so not only should you have a hot dog ice cream sandwich, but gas a station gas hot. station hot dog ice cream. Gas station hot dog ice cream sandwich. Oh. Yeah, yesterday on the show we talked about we- the weirdest thing you've ever eaten, and somebody sent stork. Like, stork? <laughs> how do you eat stork? There's, is there meat on those bones? How do you eat stork? Gosh, I don't know. One guy was like, I ate rat soup. Speaking of the... the Canned ga- smoked oysters. Speaking mm. of the gas station hot dog thing, mm. yeah. though, this would be a good way to wrap us up, I guess. I hope so. Guarantee you, the same guy that you said ate the gas station hot dog, he'd mm. try that. Bobby C. Guarantee you. He would try it. it. Oh, 100% he would try it. 100%. No question. All right. Tomorrow's show, uh, Arkansas box score. I don't know if they're going to let us talk to these coaches or not. If not... We'll figure something out to talk about. We may not talk to anyone until Saturday until night. Until Saturday we'll talk night. To Jim Moorhead, but yeah. we'll see. Guys, have a great Thursday. We, uh, Brian, I am Brian. Uh, Joel and I will be back with you on Friday morning. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk, Mississippi. One and only. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.